And that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. To stay updated with everything Unplug, go to the website www.unplugwithannie.com for links to all the episodes on Anchor, iTunes and Spotify, as well as other platforms. You can also stay updated via the IG and Facebook page Unplug with Annie. Hi Nadine, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's such a pleasure. And I just want to also say congratulations on, on being one of the, the top 100 influential and inspiring women um, from the BBC last year. That's really, really wonderful news. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, it was a highlight to end the difficult year. So beautiful encouragement to receive at the end of uh, a tough year. Pleasant surprise. I was not expecting it. Wow, amazing, amazing. They're always the best when you're not expecting yeah. it. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about your journey. First of all, you're a, yeah. you're a writer. And I just want to know, like, when, when that happened for you, was that something from a very young age? Yeah, so, so I am writer illustrator. So I also illustrate my own books. And as you mentioned, there's something I started at a very, very young age. I was eight when I decided to do my first book. And I photocopied it in the school and decided to sell it and just really enjoy it. And since then, it's, 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 I know I think about it now, it's crazy. But since then, I knew that this is what I want to do. I just want to write and illustrate children's books. And the joy of getting my friend's reaction and, and seeing the photocopies, like manually, I was photocopying it in the school. And, and it was very bad business. I was selling the copies, but I was... <laughs> It was a bad business. It wasn't making profit, actually, the other way. But I just really enjoyed it. And I just knew it, that that's what I want to do. Wow. And and you grew up in Syria and then you came to London. Is that right? Yeah. Um, all my life, I lived in Syria and Damascus until the war started. And uh, was it nine years ago? We came here. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. Wow, wow. And I know that you've spoken about this idea of uh, inclusivity, you know, um, and I was wondering if you could just delve a little bit more into that, like when you, when you started writing and producing children's books, did you feel or did that come from a place that there were stories which weren't being told that you felt propelled to write? Absolutely, absolutely. It's not only a problem that started when I moved here in the UK and I realized it's a major problem. It's actually started in my childhood. So uh, when I was young, all the books that I was reading at the time uh, were French and English books. So there, were, there was Arabic book, but there wasn't enough access to them. And even if there are books here and there, we did not see ourselves in books. I, I, most of the stories I would read, they were like Swedish novels translated, um, fairy tales, Swedish fairy tales that are translated into Arabic or English or French books. And all of these shows surroundings that are not similar to our lives and characters that are not, I can't relate to. And it, and it, and it really, it's, I remember what it did to me. And I don't want that to happen to another child. I remember that at that time I felt that those people in the West, the, far, the white people, the faraway people, those are deserved to be characters and stories. Those are worthy of being characters and stories, worthy of being princesses and heroes, but maybe not here. 
if you know what I mean. And mm -hmm. and it's 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 crazy what it do to to your identity um, as a child. I remember even when I wanted to play who's the princess, you know, with 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 my sister or with my friends, we would change our names into Western names because we would all think that we 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 were not worthy of being princesses only in the west only these white people that deserve to be to be princesses and to be characters and stories so it does create inferiority complex it does play on the identity of children it makes them uh, think of of why i can't see myself and since then, when I grew up and continued on my passion, I made the decision that this is it. I want to see Damascus more in books. I want to see the courtyard, the alleyways. I want to see Arabic names. I want to see people like me and like my friends. And um, yeah, arriving here in the UK, I realized it's even the problem is even getting worse and worse. That, uh, that it's something that we all need to be advocate about. Yeah, so true. And I think as you were speaking, I can definitely relate in so many ways to representation on screen, which has been tackled very recently as well. Um, you know, the British TV and film industry trying to, uh, I, I guess, give more opportunities to, to people from different racial, ethnic backgrounds. And, um, and yeah, there's been a lot of petitions in regards to representation, I think, around the world on what we're seeing in TV. Would you say that the act of writing these stories has been therapeutic for you and has contributed to your healing when you mentioned this sense of I identity and not, not feeling sure where you fit in? It, has that been a helpful process to you? Well, the thing is, I uh, to be to be honest, I was lucky that I have parents and mom that she realized the problem, and she wouldn't let it affect me. And uh, if we can't find ourselves in stories, we can find other ways to encourage our identity and our cultural identity, and to make us feel uh uh strong in, in our beliefs and who we are. So luckily, this when my mom realized the problem and she kept on, on encouraging, celebrating our culture identity, whether it's through drawings, whether it's through other activities, it didn't really affect me uh, on the long term. But I do remember the struggle of, of wondering all the time why I can't find myself in these stories. But to answer your question, is writing therapeutic? Absolutely, yes. And uh, when I truly realized that, I realized that when the war in Syria started and I uh, felt the need to write my book tomorrow, which is about the war in Syria. So I wrote it and I illustrated mainly because I personally wanted to process the war and it was therapeutic, it helped me process my emotion, deal with it in my drawings and my illustrations and the colors. And also because of course I wanted children to see their stories in a book and to relate to it in a book and uh, uh, hopefully give them hope uh, for very, very difficult, difficult circumstances. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that it was. And I think these stories are going to be like, revelationary for you know uh, for children who read it and it offers you know a completely different perspective um wh when you when you think about life in syria versus life now in london are there any common threads that you you recognize or you see in terms of 
whether it's beliefs embedded into the cultural system and you know what are the common factors that you see as well as the complete differences which which you're able to recognize yeah i mean if i, if I want to talk about the commonalities uh, it's, it's there a lot i mean people do focus on on the on the differences all the time and it's so funny i mean i keep saying whenever i arrived in the uk and they ask me oh you're syrian tell us about syria and i was like we're not alien you know <laughs> i don't my childhood is no different than childhood here in the uk and i and i don't see when i came here i did not it's also there is this this stereotypical kind of story about uh, Middle East and when they come to the West, they struggle. No, no, it wasn't struggle. Of course, the weather, it is a struggle. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't meet anyone who's not struggling with not having some for six months. But, but apart from that, it's, I don't see major differences. I mean, families are families. Love of family is the same. Childhoods are the same. Whether in libraries, bookshops, or parks where you spend your day, uh, friends in schools. But of course, I mean, culturally, there are differences. And uh, one of the things, for example, I miss a lot in Syria is the sense of community and the warmth of the people. So in Syria, if you walk in a park, um, people are walking their dogs, for example, it's okay to go pet that dog, cuddle that dog without asking the owner, and you end up chatting with the, with the owner of the dog, and you end up chatting with everyone that you don't know, and somehow you knew each other somehow or you're related <laughs> or whatever so this this feeling of people know each other and that community is beautiful we're here um, i think um, there is a little bit of people are, are a bit more isolated also uh, interest, uh, interesting enough uh, in syria we did celebrate everything and that was beautiful because syria we have 27 ethnicities and, and religions and wow. backgrounds so i remember in school there would comes ramadan and then christmas and then and then we had two easters uh, so i think the syria and lebanon and the middle east we had the, the most holidays ever <laughs> kids get holidays at every single wow uh, yeah uh, um, religious holiday or a culture and that's beautiful where here is like you got only christmas and new year and that's it's mostly celebrated i mean there is beautiful diversity and I'm, and i love london for that but i wish it's a bit more on a rather than on a community level i wish it's a bit more uh celebrated on a systemic level mm -hmm. Wow, that's a really interesting point. Um, yeah, yeah, I can completely see what you see what you're, you mean by that. Um, I've, I've spent some ample time also working in India, so I know that there are so many more festivals. Um, so yes. you end up having lots and lots of holidays for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, now obviously writing is quite solitary and that work as a writer doesn't, you know, circumstances around you such as a pandemic doesn't necessarily hinder you from writing and putting pen to paper but I know that you've been doing other activities like workshops with kids um, during this time of the pandemic and how has how have you felt that their learning has been impacted because obviously you've been directly involved and you can see that um, how has that experience been been challenged to how you were able to uh, connect with them before yeah i mean like i mentioned it has been challenging and for me i really think that um in addition to the front uh, line heroes uh that uh, whether they're nhs workers or doctors or the key workers i think children 
are uh, uh, for me are heroes because they the one who their life kept changing and changing and changing to protect the adults because we're the one who are contracting the virus more than the children are then the one who's stopping the school back to school stopping to school mm. and that creates a lot of mental problems I've met with children that are really struggling they're feeling more isolated than other so it's it is it is really really difficult and I found it uh, um, especially hard because it's the parents' responsibility. But here we go again. The parents are struggling with homeschooling and struggling with working from home. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how they can do it. Now, um, for me personally, I missed the one-on-one -on -one interaction with the children. So when you do a school visit on Zoom, you don't get that moment with it with the child to tell you what's especially the child the child children that they don't want to really speak in front of the other kids and then they come to get their book signed and they tell you what they truly think of your book or yeah. they tell you about their dreams they tell you how they want to be writers or illustrators or anything and those those interaction those one-on-one -on -one interaction is important for them but also important for us as writers because that's what pushes us to continue doing what we're doing and feeling that we are inspiring somehow someone out there and what we're doing it's worthy where on the screen they're really distant there are lots of kids in the class and only you know few will dare to raise their hands and and ask some questions so it is it is it is a challenge but also there is there is always the silver lining and there is always positivity that when you do it when you do online events you reach out wider audience and yeah. a lot of kids who don't have access to uh, uh, for example uh, story readings and art activities now they do online so for example one of the events i did with lancaster literature festival was a series of videos where i did like um, story readings and art activities and we asked kids to participate uh, uh, with their artwork and i received amazing interaction and amazing participation from children from all over the world so i got kids from Palestine sending me and then from Manchester and then from Italy so so that's mm -hmm. that's really beautiful to to reach out wider audience and to also again I mean uh, get your work out there to some kids who might not necessarily have schools who invite authors or schools that have the ability to do some kind of event for their kids so there's always a silver lining we just have to really be strong and focus on that until the pandemic uh, yeah as well yeah well yeah i mean i think you said it perfectly i think it just shows that there's always like you said a silver lining so there's two sides to the same coin and there, there has been a lot of positive outcomes to what we've been experiencing as well and i think that's that's what we all need to try and hold on to that's for yeah, sure yeah. um what would you say to people who are out there wanting yet to to write stories and you know are, are feeling held back that they're not perhaps no one would be interested in my stories and and in hearing what I have to say or maybe my ideas are not original enough to, to share there's no audience for this um what would you say to, to those people who could be listening really maybe having a story on their hearts or, or and just you know, hesitating from putting it out there. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it, is, it is a difficult question that I kept asked. I mean, the problem is it's such a difficult industry and so many people are kept trying and trying to get published. But my main advice is, first of all, don't keep it in your head. Because for me, a finished artwork by itself is a good artwork. And a lot of people will start a little bit of the story and then they hate it, they, they feel intimidated and then leave it. Just finish it, finishing one entire book by itself i found it an achievement and that you won't miss out on your chances but if you don't finish it you don't have it out there you miss out on 100 percent of the chances that you have so believe in yourself and and, and finish it uh, uh i remember neil gaiman once tweeted the worst um, uh, draft that you're gonna ever write is the white paper and that truly inspired me that uh, don't don't let anything intimidate you, just finish it. And that's by itself is a good writing. But then, then you're gonna face lots of lots of lots of rejections and less few lucky ones. Mm. And that's really hard. That's really hard. And but if that tell you anything, it tells you that we need to be resilient. And I learned to be resilient throughout the years. I so many times give up on stories and I threw them and then I was like, no, let's try again. I really love the story. I believe in myself. So believe in yourself. If you think it's a good story, keep trying, keep listening to opinions, maybe edit here, edit there. Don't be also too rigid. I mean, sometimes if you're too rigid about your creative work, won't find space in the outdoor work around it edit it and you you really find your space be an advocate about what you believe in be yourself as an activist about what you believe in and then you'll find you'll find your 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 place so it's, it's a lot of resilience i would say mm, wow yeah true and and off the back of resilience i mean i think it just fits perfectly into the series which is about sort of having courage to step out and uh, like you've just beautifully summed mm -hmm. up, you know, be an advocate of what you're doing. And, and, and that self-belief, I think, is super important. And often I feel like we're held back by the fear of what's on the other side, right? It's the uncertainty of what could happen. And half of the time, it's just worries in our head. We don't know yeah, until yeah. we try. Um, yeah. how, 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 how has courage showed up for you specifically, whether it's this year or at any point in your life that you feel has really had you not stepped out in the way you did or had the courage to take a risk that you would likely be in a very different position to where you are now? Yeah, I mean... I think one of the bravest thing I've done in my life was, uh, let's say, was it 15 or 20 years ago? Okay, I'm not gonna tell my age. <laughs> but <laughs> I, th I think one of the bravest thing I did is when I graduated from university and I, and I studied uh, fine arts back then in Damascus. And at that time, the only job I could find was being an art director in an advertising company, and which was amazing. I mean, I remember my salary was amazing. It was an amazing job. I, uh, at the age of 21, 22, I had even assistants and I had a big team and we were working on advertising. And after a few months, I got really sad and I felt like this is not what I want. This is not what I dreamt all my life and I want to be a writer. But then in the same time, I mean, how many publishers are there in Syria? How many publishers are there in the Arab world and how difficult it is to build a career around being, a, I mean, how many writers, you know, really were able to make full-time writer, illustrator or made a career out of it? Very, very little. And I remember no one really encouraged me to, 
to leave my job and to focus on this. And everyone would tell me, I mean, how could you leave such an amazing position, uh, good salary and amazing team. And I decided to be brave. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard decision I decided to say, this is it. I know what I want in life. This is not making me happy. Um, and I and I left the job so I can focus on writing and illustrating children's books. Now, I was lucky to have some kind of support back then because otherwise it would be very difficult not to be, to be able to do it by yourself alone. But just taking the courage of leaving something that it's supposedly everyone agrees on that it's amazing but this you know that this is not the right for you, the right thing for you was a big deal especially that you're against what everyone thinks that you should do so that was the bravest thing probably i've ever done and here i am i mean later i so happy i so thank my 21 year old person Self, yeah that i took the courage to do it Wow, wow, which is which is great. I'm sure it's such a beautiful feeling looking back and thinking I'm I'm so glad that I took that leap of faith, you know? Um because you do change your yeah, life completely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would have because I mean at that time it was it was really cool advertising company and you could be driven by by this kind of career because it is a tough career being in advertising and in graphic design and it takes you away and you become more corporate so it's completely different life and I wouldn't be who I am today a children's book writer and illustrator and it's really funny because um, uh, the only person who encouraged me very few so was my mom and then my best friend and when the BBC 100 women uh, uh, was uh, launched my friends called me to congratulate me and I told her remember 20 years ago you're the only one who told me don't stay in a job that you don't like you love writing you love illustrating just keep doing it. Don't don't be scared. Uh, so I did remind her. So it's also surround yourself with people who are who who knows you, who believes in you, and mm. and who support you, sends you positivity. So that's very important. Wow, I love that. I think that's a really important piece of advice because we we can forget how much our environment really has an impact on us. And I think uh, it's so important, even if it's that one other person, like you said, it was just your mom and your best friend. But I think clearly you remember that years later you know so that had an extreme impact um well it was so lovely to talk to you I'm so glad that you jumped on and you had this conversation and um and yes you're doing I mean amazing fantastic work and I wish you all the very best in in everything that you're yet to create um I can't wait to to see what comes next uh so thank you again Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. And I truly looking forward to hopefully post-pandemic meet you. Not yes. virtually, face-to-face. <laughs> face-to-face, fingers crossed. And that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. To stay updated with everything Unplug, go to the website www.unplugwithannie.com for links to all the episodes on Anchor, iTunes and Spotify, as well as other platforms. You can also stay updated via the IG and Facebook page Unplug with Annie.